how to distinguish a dive bar from any other? Per Wikipedia, the dive bar is typically a small, unglamorous, eclectic, old-style bar with inexpensive drinks and may feature dim lighting, shabby or dated decor, neon beer signs, packaged beer sales, cash-only service, and a local clientele. I mean, that's quaint, almost Rockwell-esque. It suggests an episode of Cheers without the need of bright lights for the studio audience and video cameras. But in reality, the dive bar is far more personal. It feeds the sick and the depraved. It shelters <laughs> the near homeless. It's where loneliness takes up residency while ambition and dreams are on a permanent vacation. It's where wounds are nursed, not beers. It's where every song on the jukebox pierces into your soul, especially as the hours and the booze pile on. It's where a person can walk in at 6 a.m., drain a Bloody Mary, vomit it back up into a glass, and then swallow it down again. It's also where I last shit my pants in adulthood without shit. <laughs> This episode of $5 Buzz is dedicated to that pillar of every secular American community, that institution as necessary as any house of worship, really. This is the $5 Buzz episode on dive bars. Okay, welcome back. Uh, please step in, lock the door behind you. Make sure the towel is properly positioned. Um, you're walking in on another $5 buzz. Uh, my name is George Kursar. I'm coming to you from uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, just moved, so uh, my, you got my new coordinates. Um, I was joined, as always, by our co-host, Peter Liska. He's located in Los Angeles. How's it going today, Pete? What's up, man? Uh, I got I can't go too much further without mentioning uh, the Bloody Mary uh, aspect of Roger's cold open. Reminds me of a friend of all of ours, uh, at least Nate and George. You know him as uh, Jaybird, who would hang out at uh, Maxfields and uh, the cantina. Guy would come in, uh, down a Bloody Mary, sometimes throw a bucket up into his cup, put it back down. <laughs> uh, come seven o'clock that guy was all over jeopardy he knew every single answer it was an incredible human being and i was he was a savant he was a savant <laughs> so he looked just like uh he looked just like sam adams on the on the bottom he really there. really did <laughs> had to get that out there um roger it's yeah. appropriate tonight we'll be talking about uh dive bars uh you are coming to us from a former brewery, which uh, has some alcohol. So uh, you have some alcohol in your hand, don't you? I do. I have a blue moon, you know, just a regular old blue moon. My uh, got some friends out of town and he bought some last night. I also bought some Guinness, and some various other things. But yeah, this is uh, the brewery. And at one point it was a Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery. And that's where I live. I live actually, I actually physically live in what was a beer cooler. Wow. And Paps Blue Ribbon is a staple of uh, every dive bar, as far as I'm interested. Uh, Nate Garden, a little further to the south in uh, Orange County, 
Well, we're happy to have you. And uh, mostly, we're happy to have uh, Brandon Hinky. Is that the correct way to uh, say it? Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and for uh, Brandon is the man who oversees a great Instagram page. And I think whoever's listening to this, pull out your phone right now follow it it's called pictures of dive bars uh my relationship with dives right pictures of yeah just pictures of dives just pictures of dives yeah i I apologize pete let's clean this up we'll clean this up (laughs) Uh, now brandon i came across your page because i saw pete was following the page and um pete i think that you recognize one of the local bars from where you grew up uh is that right how you kind of encountered pictures of dives yeah, I, uh, I I was scrolling through and I saw a picture of a place called the Monopole that, uh, you know, Nate <laughs> knows very well. As, and I could not believe my I, I you, my jaw was on the ground that the uh, this little bar has been around for a very long time. Nate, this, this thing dates back to what, the 20s? Oh, our grandfathers drank there, man. Our fathers yeah. drank there. Our great grandfathers drank there. That's been yeah. forever. Predates um, Prohibition. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's some photos of people standing outside in like top hats and shit, you know, goes back a long time, goes back a long time. But, uh, I could not believe that someone had submitted a picture of the monopole to your site. So I immediately, uh, uh, texted those guys. And in fact, was actually sitting at the monopole two nights in a row this last weekend, uh, visiting my (laughs) brother, which was a really, uh, awesome experience too. a place hasn't changed one bit. So that's kind of how it came into, uh, on my radar guys, I'm going to just, crack a beer uh, yeah cheers a, man cheers IPA. what what what's everyone drinking tonight i've got a fiddlehead ipa which comes to us from shelburne vermont and uh i'm excited to have it and excited to have you on the show Brent. yeah i'm excited to be here i'm drinking a uh, port city optimal wit uh i'm i live in chicago but i'm back home in virginia right now and uh the optimal wits from a virginia brewery and it's it's it, it tastes like home. It's good to be back, you know? Awesome. Well, like Brandon, um, maybe you can tell us uh, how the whole project started, maybe the origin, and maybe before that, a little bit about your relationship with dive bars and uh, all things uh, uh, alcohol uh, <laughs> drinking uh, establishments that you enjoy. Yeah. So, you know, to uh i'm i'm staying at my uh sister's place right now and she's uh she's two years older than i am and uh my my first interaction with alcohol was because i ran interference between upstairs when our parents were and her having a high school party and the way she thanked me was here's a couple skunked bud lights that you can have and i'm you know 14 15 maybe and i have a couple and i was like i don't understand why people why people like these. And then I stood up and I was like, Oh my God, I want to feel like this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, since then haven't really looked back. I, since turning 21, uh, in college, I I was a regular at a couple bars in my college town, moved to DC was a regular across there. And I've always been a fan of dive bars because I've never made that much money. Uh, and that's kind (laughs) of, I've always been kind of out on the edge and uh, that's, that's kind of where you hang out when, uh, when you're broke and hanging out with less than irreparable characters. And so the account started uh, 2020, I moved to Chicago to be closer to my partner and a job kind of fell through. So I was driving Postmates and I came across this place called the Windy City Lounge in Chicago 
and it's just a pure dump gorgeous it's closed because everything was closed in the city at the time but i took a picture of it and i threw it up on my personal account and i was like this is this is how all bars should look and it immediately blew up and everyone also stuck at home not able to go out started sending me pictures of their favorite bars and telling me stories and that's when i knew immediately like this is going to take off this is a thing and I, I started the account as a way to just kind of move it off from my personal account. And the Twitter is at like 37,000 followers. It, uh, it was a year, a year Tuesday. So June 22nd was when I started the account and it, it's really taken off. And, you know, I think, I think while people were home, it was nice to look at, to remember the times that were been, but now that things are starting to open back up again, it's it's taken off even harder because people like to get really drunk and then send me a picture of themselves, just be like, "Hell yeah, brother, we're hanging out." And I love getting stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I think that you really did a great service to kind of reconnect people that, you know, during uh, and dude, I, I promise it the last time I'm going to talk about COVID. I am just so. <laughs> I'm sick of it too, man. But it's it. it, it, it yeah. But you did a great job of, you know, reminding people how important it was to gather and celebrate or mourn all activities that happened in a bar. So, um, you know, you what you also did was kind of highlight that as diverse and different as the United States is, there is a commonality to all the cities and states, whether it's Alaska or Miami or Alabama, anywhere in between that there is a place where people can go for a port in the storm. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm not the first person to invent the concept of the third place, right? You got home and work and you need a place to gather. A place has always been uh, churches or public spaces or, or bars. And it's, you know, it's because you need somewhere to go uh, where either everyone knows your name or no one knows your name. You just need somewhere else to go. And dives have always filled that for us, especially in the United States. You know, it's not it's not unique in the U.S. to have a place to go drink, but the the English pub and the American dive are not the exact same thing. Right. You know, this yeah, it's there's there's something about hanging out in a place that sucks, but it's your place that sucks, which makes it great. Now, Roger, um, I had sent you an article that uh, was written in a publication called the San Francisco Gate that uh, highlighted picture of dives and how the uh, origin started. So why don't, Roger, why don't we start with you? I know that you said you spent some time in uh, dive bars in Chicago. What do you remember? And well, I, anything... I, I gotta remember, I lived, I'm mean, from Los Angeles. I lived in right. San Francisco. I lived in Chicago and lived in New York. And right. when I looked at those photographs, I immediately recognized every single bar in the San Francisco <laughs> article. I mean, I literally, I was at Doc's Clock the day it closed. So I, I, yeah, I was in that, it was nuts. In Chicago, there's a bar, um, one of my favorite bars is a bar called The Matchbox. You familiar with that, Brandon? Uh, no, I'm not actually. Where? What neighborhood's that one in? God damn, if you're going to ask me that, I'm not going to remember. But, <laughs> no worries. Anyway, tell me about it. So The Matchbox is this very strangely built, I mean, the reason why it's called a matchbox, because when you walk in on one end, the bar never changes, right? But where people are sitting and their relationship to the wall, it's at a diagonal. And the bathroom is in the back. So in other words, you're wide in the opening. And you can walk in. And as you get closer towards the bathroom, 
all of a sudden you pretty much have to squeeze. And if you're a fat fuck like myself, and you're squeezing and you're, I mean, you're, you're touching the person sitting at the end of the bar to get to the bathroom because it has this weird angle going in. And, and it's the only place where they have like a little window where, where people can get drunk safely on the other side in this dirt lot. And it's just a dirt lot. And you can just stick your hand out and grab a drink, you know, or just stick your hand into the, to this hole. This guy, you know, you order and the guy gives you a drink. It's not like a window. It's literally a hole. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, one of the best goddamn Bloody Marys I ever had. I didn't throw up in the glass and re-drink it. But I did, <laughs> oh, uh, did make a, have a fantastic Bloody Mary there. Um, but I got to say, all the bars in San Francisco, I, um, they're, they're pretty much who hit or who took all those photographs, nailed it is all I got to say. And it's funny that as I'm looking up all the photographs on your Instagram page, and I don't get too far up or down before I found something that I've been in. On the, on the top end, it's the XY's Club in Salt Lake City. I used to work for Sundance, and I've been in that bar a million times. And going up, uh, the drawing room, which I just mentioned is on here, which is here in Los Angeles on the uh, east side in Silver Lake. And, of course, that famously is a bar that was frequented by none other than a person who would be all over this particular uh this this episode would of course Bukowski, but I will yes. stop. I will stop and hand it over back to George. Hey Roger, just while you're on the topic of San Francisco, uh, hopefully I'm not taking a risk here, but I do enjoy the bars on uh, Height Street in San Francisco. One of my uh, rituals whenever I'm in that town is to have the driver just drop me off at the end by the park. And I will just walk down the street and, you know, you got a lot of the old hippies there. You got Amoeba Records. Obviously, it's a very uh, gay friendly. George, I'm really going to have to burst your bubble on this one. Yep. You pronounced it funny. Yeah, I know you were going to. I know. It's, it's my fight. You know? And it's the hate street district. And it's about as famous as it gets in San Francisco. You know, hippies, Grateful Dead, all that, you know, hate street. Right, yes. but there the is boys from of... Long Island. That's a regional dialect. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for thanks for providing some air cover there. And you know what? I don't have the region's diploma. Excuse me. <laughs> he's less he's less refined than you, Roger. His expressive right. language. So uh, you know, I knew I was taking a risk. So uh, I prefaced with that. But Roger, in in San Francisco, do you like the bars in that street, or is that too? Well, what what you're specifically talking about is lower hate. Correct. The famous part of hate is upper hate. That's that's where all the, you know, that's that's the one that's close to the park. Right. You weren't near the park. You what you're talking about is the Toronado, the Mad Dog in the Fog, the Midtown. Mm -hmm. Those are all these great streets that are right near Fillmore and Hate Street, and that's yeah. the that's the bar district. And that place was fantastic. There was um, God damn, I forget the name of the one joint, Nikki's Nikki's Barbecue, which mm -hmm. is actually a bar. And that place would get jumping. So you'd walk from one bar to the next back in the 90s. And you'd be, you know, this one place is all punk. Nikki's is all funk. You know, you got another one that's all jazz. You, you know, there was a soundtrack that was different in every goddamn bar. Yeah. You go there now, unfortunately, and it's it's all that is. So I was like, I don't mind electronic music. I just, you know, I like it. I you know, eclectic, you know, as you want as, the as, good stuff. You don't want just, the, I want it spread the, around a little, yeah, you know, yeah. now Roger wants some Leonard Skinner on his jukebox. <laughs> so guys, you know, the three, three of you guys are in California and, you know, 
three of you spent, you know, Pete and Roger are still in LA. Nate, you've been in LA. Uh, you were in LA for a long time. So I left my disease in LA. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about, you know, you spent some time up in Boston. What was it like on the, the dive scene out there? And then tell us about some of your exploits in uh, Los Angeles. Sure, man. I, uh, like you, George, I, I've always, I, I like the dive bars, man. And I, I, uh, first wife and I used to have this uh, ritual of our own. We would just get in the car and, uh, just drive up the coast, man, like Revere, Lynn, all those tough towns on, in the coast of Massachusetts. Um, and those, but you would just get lost and just go looking for dive bars. I've always enjoyed the, uh, the atmosphere. Man can feel a certain, uh, like, dignity and purity amidst filth you know and i don't mean the patronage as robert roger so eloquently uh described i mean like the actual filth in a dive bar like you can it's just uh I'm more comfortable <laughs> in that environment than uh you know some of the places my wife drags me to these days wife number two like the bungalow or the fairmont <laughs> and the sir and all that stuff like i don't uh I, I'm, I'm an alcoholic in recovery due, due to all that time spent in dive bars and like boo, there's no uh, suggestion around me. Like my wife still drinks and you assholes are my friends and we'll get going on the text and stuff. And like booze doesn't talk to me, but I walk into those demons are at bay, but I walk into the bungalow, you know, or, or the sir, like it's the, 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 the Tito's bottle start telling me, drink me and you'll feel more uh, <laughs> at ease in this atmosphere. <laughs> but, uh, that's 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 uh, it's not the case in the dive bar. Uh, I uh, I can still go to Shea J in Santa Monica whenever I cast my shadow up there and go and have a cup of coffee and you know my hash and eggs and I'm just you know I, I believe in the disease model, man. It's a, a, a disease of self and myself is at ease there, so I don't need any booze in a dive bar. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, there's something the dive to be said bar about of my that. youth was this place called uh, the Klondike, mm -hmm. um, and it's right. My high school, um, there were four adjacent bars there in the 80s. And I, think, I don't think anyone sets out to like make a shithole. I think every dive bar, once upon a time, was someone's dream. You know, it was <laughs> going to be this business they opened. And, you know, certain economic circumstances and environmental circumstances and bureaucratic circumstances lead to the decline of these places. And in my town growing up, I think the decline of all those joints, and they're all gone now, all four, there was the Brothers Tavern. There was the Klondike, which used to be called the Cave in the 60s, and it had uh, like go-go dancers and cages and stuff inside of it, and the Eagle's Nest, and uh, there was a fourth one. Uh, it was just the three of them, but the drinking age changed, I think, in like 1985, and um, right away, that chopped a whole bunch of patronage away from these places, and I think that was a decline in a lot of these places uh, that, 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 that me and my brother and his friends used to drink at, But and I think that started the you know, when the, when the, when the receipts stop uh, coming in, I think that's when the upkeep on the bars start to take a nosedive. And in the region I grew up in, I, I think that was really what began the, uh, the crumble of, of those everyone's, you know, someone's dream once upon a time. But this place, the Klondike I used to go to, was uh was run by this Pete, you ever get out there on route 22 near the high school? Oh, I, won't, I never, never made it there. I have, I've, I've heard of it, but I've never made it. Place, there. Oh, it was awesome. Had this huge, um, klondike bear out in front i remember of, that uh, i remember driving by yeah. that oh my God. thing was enormous it must have been 15 <laughs> 20 feet tall it was, it was made of uh, plaster and it would sometimes it was painted white like a polar bear sometimes it was black and 
it was run by this little old lady, uh, Loretta, and it was this owner-occupied tavern, and it had no hours. You, you just went up there, and this place was – there wasn't a right angle in the whole bar. You would walk <laughs> up these uh, these warped steps, and like it was in, in the wintertime, it was a hazard because it was all frozen and stuff. And you'd knock on the door, and Loretta lived upstairs. She was half blind, you know, and, and like I said, she poured drinks for my grandfather, my father, all of us kids growing up. And she would come downstairs, and she would she would let you in, and this place was just – gnarly dude they were like feral cats running around inside and he was half blind she'd come down she makes the there were no you know top shelf spirits in there like a, a top shelf whiskey was like evan williams like <laughs> but, but the place just had this vibe about it man like there was an old uh seaberg selectomatic jukebox in there and it was all 45s and loretta maintained it herself like everyone else had those you know cd systems that came in and stuff or the streaming systems that later came she was no frills, man. She owned that Selectomatic. She wasn't going to let a, you know, some vendor get, you know, the quarters from her Selectomatic. <laughs> so she, she would, uh, she would change the records. It was cracked. That duct tape on the front of it, you know, some bar fight. Um, and uh, she would, she would, she would change those records up and they were all tired, all tired 45s. They'd skip and stuff, but it, it was such a shithole that you, you couldn't help but feel just at ease in there and uh it, it was a it was a good time loretta was a, she was a cool old lady and she ran until the day she died but um awesome it was a unique unique place is it still there oh no it closed loretta died about 10 years ago but yeah it was uh she was cool man you could go and like it had a pot belly wood stove that heated it and you'd go there in the winter and if you brought in an arm load of wood for her when you came up the steps we would put we would salt their steps for her and stuff and everyone took care of her and uh she, i mean she, that, give you around. that's literally as the, the description of a dive bar if, if you think about it you know all everything you just said it's incredible yeah hey, Pete, yeah especially the part where it's like you know the community comes together to take care of the bartender like that's to me that's what a dive bar is you know oh, it's oh, like for sure. hey i'll bring i'll bring wood over to keep this place hot pour <laughs> me a drink that's cold you know talking yes. about like setting out to like open a shithole like no one does that but there's one example of that. I think the finest example of that is, is Shay J in Santa Monica. This, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with that one. <laughs> um, has has I wonder if it's been on there. It it is the I, as I'm, Nate said, the godfather of dive bars, probably on the West yeah, Coast. Anyway. Yeah, normally I for all the names, but that one's not ringing a bell. I'd have to look back on. I mean, I've posted like 900 some at this point, but I, normally if someone says one I've posted, I can remember it. And I, that one isn't ringing a bell, so I'll have to go through and find some pics oh, for I'll it. I'll send you the picture, man. That's, a, that's I a appreciate it, man. Hey, P, can you There's just guy. can you tell us a little bit about Shay J and like the historical significance of it and the peanut behind the bar? Oh, hey, oh that's all Nate, man. man. Yeah, <laughs> that was that's a place I read about. I think I'm just you know I, I like film and music and stuff, and the, the era of the '50s, the mid-century era, has always been fascinating to me. And I read about that place all the time in, in in biographies and stuff growing up as a kid. And that was like on my must-do list when I moved to LA. Like that's one of those first things I'm gonna do the first week I'm there is go to go to Shay J. There was this adventurer kind of wannabe actor guy, very congenial, just comfortable in all circles dude's names uh his name is jay fiandella he was a hot air balloon uh enthusiast and his his idea was um he was gonna open he wanted he, he wanted a dive bar this wasn't a dream he wanted to make a shithole that uh that that, that celebrities could go to like, they, like back then like you know liz taylor couldn't go to the barney's beanery without getting you know harassed by the paparazzi and stuff so he had this idea of making up a brand new you know not shiny as a new dime 
uh, drinking hole. That was it was it was it was a shithole from the inception. That was the whole that was the whole project. I'm gonna make a shithole that celebrities can come to. We have a no camera policy, and um, he had this place in Santa Monica, right on Ocean Avenue, which is all high rises and 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 Lowe's hotels now, and you know the Fairmont, and it's literally it's the turd on the wedding cake that is uh, you know Ocean Avenue. But um, it was it was right behind the Randa Corporation, the think tank. So all these, you know, celebrities would go there, like like Steve McQueen and his motorcycle buddies, and you know Lee Marvin and these guys would come in there with all their motorcycle mechanics, and then the, you know, the the, the eggheads from um, the Rand Corporation would come down. You know, they've been designing to- atomic bombs and civil defense systems all day. They'd go in there and sit down, and it was uh, you'd have the, the the wrong stuff and the right stuff side by side, right. drink, drink, drinking together, and the like Alan Shepard. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, all those guys. Henry Kissinger would drink there. Um, uh, Kennedy, um, his sister Patricia lived down below on the on the beach, and her her brother Peter Lawford, he was like the Ringo of the Rat Pack. Yep. And when, when Kennedy <laughs> would would fly when he would fly into L.A. on business when he was doing his presidential business on the West Coast, that, that was like the, the the Western White House was the Lawford uh, mansion down on the beach. Um, and they would hide Marilyn Monroe. The Secret Service would hide Marilyn Monroe up there at Shade J. And then when Jackie would get out of town and go to Beverly Hills, they would spear her down the road, down the California incline to, to see JFK. But it, it's just a cool place. And they haven't changed it at all. Like the, the day he launched it, there was a he had this elephant and these these go-go dancers come in. And the bar, Pete, Pete and I have done a lot of time at Shade J. The bar is still cracked from the elephant that dropped his head on, on on the bar and they haven't changed a thing like when you go to the bathroom to take a piss you're you know you're dropping trout and you're hanging your wang over the same uh urinal that, <laughs> Char- that charles bronson took a piss in man like that place is and they're going to be getting back to the think tank uh alan shepherd took a peanut shay was uh famous for his peanuts shay jay was famous for the peanuts he served and all the astronauts were drinking there and alan shepherd took a fucking peanut to the moon the uh the apollo 11 mission and uh they kept it behind the bar for years. I guess Steve McQueen one night was drunk and rolled in there and jumped behind the bar and tried to eat it. And they kicked his ass and threw him out. Now, Nate, hasn't now, over the years, uh, several uh, young men gotten their courage up and attempted the same uh, plot to try and get the peanut? I feel like I've heard that the, someone's made an attempt on the peanut. It's now in the, the family. Jay is gone. He died. Um, his wife was actually killed in a car accident right there, in front, right out in front of Ocean Avenue. Um, but he, he's gone, but his kids still have it. The family still has it. And it's, it's in a safe now, in some safe deposit box. But yeah, a lot of people try that. But one, it, it's one, a, yeah. one it's awesome a wild detail. place. It is a wild place. One awesome detail in that place that you don't see often is the uh, the front door is the double door. So it, the top half opens and they leave the bottom half shut so you can sit out there. You can sit outside on their, basically on their little ledge and drink outside. And I think at one point they were probably serving from there, I would imagine. You know what yeah. I'm talking about the little bar with the little ledge. Yep, they, they actually the city of Santa Monica, all all the all the the, the hoteliers have tried to eminent domain that. There's a big piece of property there, and um, say what you will about Santa Monica and the People's Republic of, like they were the, they, <laughs> they're a historical place, and you are not taking it. And they petitioned the city to make an historical landmark just because of all the crazy shit that's gone on there, and uh, and the bartenders and and the parking attendants. Those guys have all been there since the 70s. You go and you, you earn your stool there and they'll, they'll tell you some stories. Like my buddy Pete, who's a bartender there, he served Dennis Wilson his very last beer because Dennis Wilson, the Beach Boys, lived across the street at the Hotel California. He wandered over there one day, got shitty, and they threw him out and he had his last Budweiser. 
and he walked down to Marina del Rey and drowned later that night. But the, the last beer that guy had in his life at a bar was was served at, at Shea J. It's it's Holy a cool shit. place. It's haunted, man. I, yeah, I saw, Jesus. Farrah, I saw I saw the ghost of Farrah Fawcett doing lines in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, obviously one of the most important elements of any dive bar is the bartender himself or herself. Uh, would you say that earning the trust and uh, respect of the skeptical shopkeeper is uh, one of the more important things if you wanted to become a regular in one of uh, those establishments? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth your weight in gold for shit. Like, that. like, you know, I've, I'm, I've been a regular in a bunch of places before when I was in college, they named a drink after me at the bar and um it's it it takes a while and it, you got to earn it and it's you, you you tip well and you converse well and it that's all you want especially like when you're having a night uh in college for me you know the i was regular at the bar fan favorite all the bartenders took care of me and after a pretty bad break uh, i was getting way too into my cups having just having a rough go at it and normally they kick you out after something like that but instead the bartender was just like i'm ending my shift early i'm making sure he's coming home i'm and he he like scooped me up and carried me four blocks back to my apartment and they're just like hey this is worth this is worth everything put me in bed and you know it's like hey come by tomorrow we're gonna do bloody mary's we're gonna take care of this and we're gonna talk about this girlfriend problem you had but you know you're not gonna do that if you're not a regular that was it's it's really good to have someone in your corner like that yeah i i agree right now i'm going through it uh Pete is can probably speak to this. You know, I'm kind of finding a second home at this place near my office called the Crab Shell, <laughs> which is located in uh, Stamford, Connecticut, right on the water. So you have a mix of uh, businessmen and uh, adventurers that come in on boats, but you also have a bunch of locals. And there's this British guy in there, Pete. I found out who his favorite football team is West Ham United. I'm bringing him a book. I'm earning my way in, not just monetarily. <laughs> But just um, Nate, I'm I'm earning my way in through scripture and uh... the goodwill of the people, George. But you make you do make a good point, George. There's nothing like walking into your bar and they you don't have to say what you want. It's put right in front of you, and that's and you're off to the races. I right. mean, that's yeah. the best. You know? Roger, any uh, bartenders stick out uh, significantly to you? Yes, and and, and talking about how Chez was invented to be a shitty place you know, i did one of a couple of things real quick wanted to point out the the famous members only club called helena's that was owned by helena kalianiotis she was a greek actress who was in five easy pieces and lived at jack nicholson's house used to have this extremely fun uh you know but all no holds barred kind of atmosphere in this shitty place in the middle of uh, uh hollywood uh what in, in weho and um Anyway, just JJ reminded me of that, you know, because I, I knew Harry Dean Stanton at the end of his life, and we talk about that place, and you know, stuff would happen. Let's just say there at that. Point. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I just want to say one of my favorite bars on the entire, if not my absolute favorite bar in the planet on the planet, is the Mars Bar in New York City, and it's gone now, and there's nothing like it. And you want to talk about JJ starting a bar. That may be the shittiest bar. When I would send people from out of town who were visiting New York to uh, Mars Bar, I would get some of the nastiest. 
uh, texts or emails or phone calls. <laughs> what the fuck did you just send me to? <laughs> the place was from up and down. If you ever seen pictures of it, up and down, it's probably the most disgusting place that ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, we're talking. It looked like it was bombed out, littered. It looked like um, what the uh, the Bronx and in, in those movies in, in late 1970s, <laughs> like the Warriors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they had the most disgusting bathroom on the planet that women that I know would have to go to the restroom there would have to hover oh, yeah. over the toilet. And you squeeze past, you know, it, it was, but beyond all that, you're talking about a bartender. And that was like my favorite bar on the planet. I mean, I would be there and the next thing you know was tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. This <laughs> thing. So, and then we, um, uh, this bartender one time, was doing whippets behind the bar and i'm <laughs> sitting next to this old man and it's, it's not really a bartender story but i'll you'll you'll, you'll understand when i'm done the guy whips out a joint says uh hey it's my birthday you want to smoke this joint and i go yeah sure and he goes it's strong stuff the guy's looking at the guy and he's like but you're 70 or some shit 75 i smoked that i'm in my 20s i could smoke anything god damn fuck you so we smoked this joint and doing whippets with the bartender and, you know, every third drink. And all of a sudden, all my drinks are free. And I'm not understanding why. As I'm talking to the guy, I get to know him really well. He's the fucking owner of the bar. He's the one hey. the bar's bar. That's awesome. And nice. uh, he starts talking about, you know, he did. He was not a fan of Robert De Niro buying up Tribeca. He called him the, the death of the artist in the Tribeca area. And he called him Robert. He kept calling him Robert De Zero. I'm not. I'm not touching that because <laughs> I'm a De Niro fanatic. You know, from the '70s in particular. Oh, he's not doing much now. Anyway, but the um, uh, other than uh, real estate, but uh, uh, next thing I knew, I was on the floor. I was looking for my friend Hector Maldonado, who I went with, grabbing onto his leg, saying, "Get me out of here! I gotta get home." I don't know who I am. Where's my mama? You know, it's like, it, I was, it, it, that weed on top of all those drinks. It was angel, it was angel dust, Rob. Oh, yeah. You got I'm angel sure. dust. <laughs> sure it was. You got one of those lace that's, joints. Again, not yeah. a tender story, but that was, you know, and that was back, you know, when all that shit was still very illicit. You know, smoking <laughs> weed in a bar, man, you know, right in front, you know, so openly. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what I'd like to do, I know that Roger, we're coming up against a break. What I'd yeah. like to do is go around the horn because we're going to do a little something different uh, with this episode. We're actually having a contest. So here are the rules of the contest, and we'll cover this right before we sign off. You have to do a couple of things to be eligible. We want you to follow pictures of dives on Instagram. We want you to follow $5 buzz on Instagram. We want you to subscribe on iTunes, and we want you to um, send us a picture of as we go into this next segment, if you can take a picture of yourself in front of one of the bars, send it to Brandon, he'll post it. And if you do everything that we ask, follow us, subscribe to us, we're going to send you a gift card. I will personally send you a $20 gift card for you to use as drinking money. The first three people that can achieve <laughs> this assignment, you'll hear from me directly. Uh, so we're That's two nights of drinking at the Klondike back in the day. <laughs> so or one really good night of drinking. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, Brandon, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give us one 
of your go-tos if somebody came and said, Hey man, I really need to know where I could uh, get myself out of trouble, cry uh, myself to sleep, but I really need some uh, help getting there. Give me one of your favorite dives and we'll go around. The uh, so, so uh, back home in Chicago, I would say Bernice's is my number one. If you're in DC, it's hard to beat the Raven. Can you give us a little uh, color on the Raven? How would you describe what what town is it in Washington D.C. It's, proper? It, it's in D.C. proper. It's in a neighborhood called Mount Pleasant. And the thing I love about the Raven is the full name is called the Raven Grill. It doesn't have a kitchen in it. You can't <laughs> order food from it. I don't know what they're grilling in there. It's a uh, it's it's a bar. You know nothing nothing but a bar from from end to beginning. And two coolers. They don't have anything taps. All they're doing is serving natty bows outside of a cooler. The bathrooms are a true nightmare in the way that you want in a dive. The jukebox hasn't been updated since the 70s. And anytime you order a drink, the bartender looks like he's about to kill you. You know, that's what you want in a dive. It's how dare you inconvenience me by giving me money for you to give a drink. And Bernice's is it's kind of the same way uh, in Chicago. The thing I really like about Bernice's is the first time I went, um, my uh, my girlfriend brought me there and we, we were going and it was like 5 p.m. And she's like, oh, it's not open. Let me just text him real quick. And that bar, the hours of that bar are you text the bartender and ask him to open and it opens an hour after you text him and it closes about 20 minutes after you leave. And that's just how he runs it. And that's, you know, if you're not a regular, you're not getting in at all. Awesome. That's awesome. I, I'm looking at a photograph from the Raven and in the bathroom stall, apparently there is something written here that uh, I think is quite interesting. It says tears make the worst lube. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Right. That, that's a fucking dive bar. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, give the people. That's poetry. Uh, that's fucking poetry. <laughs> Roger, give the people uh, a chance to uh, win a prize. Name the city or town and name uh, a dive bar that you would direct somebody to if they needed help. Well, you know, if God, San Francisco sucks now. I just it's a company town. I can't recommend Sacramento. Or Sacramento. I can't recommend San Francisco at all, but if you're here in Los Angeles, you know, right up there, the drawing room is not a bad one. But if I really, really want to get down and dirty, I would say if you want to be a, a, a local hero, go to King Eddie, E-D-D-Y, downtown Los Angeles. That is the Bukowski bar, the real one. And that's 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 uh, when I first went there, that place was, yeah, let's just say derelict city. And I when I say derelict, I mean, and that real deal no 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 joke um but it's still around and it's been here forever king eddie that would be my choice excellent peter what do you got for the people this is the easy one for me um new york city my home for a very long time uh rest, i have to say rest in peace uh swanee and jimmy of jimmy's corner uh, place I called home for a long, long time. Living and it's city. on pictures of dives. It did it, make right? it. I, I was very happy when I saw it on there. I was very, very cool. Uh, that place is a legend, and uh, definitely uh, would recommend that to anyone. Now, Pete, there's a sign. I've been in uh, uh, Jimmy's corner. You've been in Jimmy's corner, yeah, many times. Yeah, and there's a sign, and, right, yeah. and, and it says, "Pete, I, I'm sorry." Uh, they left it up. You know, Roger. Speaking of those days in New York City, those dystopian days of the '70s. 
Uh, Jimmy's Corner is not too far from Times Square in the Diamond District, and a lot of sketchy characters would, uh, you know, roam the streets in that time. But there, Pete, there's still a sign that says "No Unattended Women Are Permitted." <laughs> really? Because <laughs> it was, I guess, it was a um, a woman of the night magnet uh, back in those days. But uh, interesting. But a lot of boxing uh, memorabilia in there, right? Yeah, there. dude. Well, there's two really interesting pieces of uh, trivia. Two interesting pieces of trivia about Jimmy's is um, there's a scene from Raging Bull yeah. in it, uh, the dancing scene, Roger, I, I believe, right? It's the, the scene where he is, at that point, fat and old. Doing the stand-up, and, isn't he? No, he, he's sort This is just before his stand-up. Mm-hmm. This is a transition scene okay. <clears throat> where a woman comes out as a uh, stripper and yeah. sort of emceeing the place. So that's a that's a cool piece of uh, of uh, history associated with it too. But what you if you've ever sat on the end of that bar, which was my my spot right by, right behind the window, there was two seats there. That's that you know as soon as I you know four o'clock rolled around, I was in there, and um, there's a, a ringside bell from Madison Square Garden sitting there, and there was a rule: if you rang the bell, you you either had to leave. Or you had to buy every single person in a place a drink, and they were strict about it because you'd always inevitably have some tourist asshole come in there thinking they were funny, and they whacked that old bell from Madison Square Garden. It would make <laughs> Jimmy and Swanee furious, and they would lay down that ultimatum: you're purchasing a drink for every single person here, or you can leave. And it, it, lots of drinks for persons that way. Such a great spot, man. Uh, yeah, I'll great spot, you, classic. I'll, I'll give the people an opportunity here. And I'll actually let Nate talk a little bit about this because uh, he knows quite a bit about it. And then I'll let him talk about his own selection. Uh, I'm going to be out in Montauk, New York. This oh, week. I know this is going. Yeah. And uh, there's a spot out there called the Memory Motel, which was made famous in a song by the Rolling Stones. And Nate would know better than me. I don't know if it was always a bar. When I was going out there early on, it was just a motel. Uh, but nowadays they actually do serve booze. Uh, it's kind of more geared to your younger folks now, but it has a lot of history. It's very, um, Montauk has become more catering to the hipster crowd from New York city and Brooklyn versus a sleepy old fisherman town or a retreat for the Andy Warhol set. But, uh, I'm giving the people an opportunity if you're out and about in Montauk or the East end of long Island this weekend, and you want to get a picture, you want to participate in this contest, and you want to uh, earn that gift card. Make Memory it earn it. Make, I'm going to make it earn it, and uh, I'm going to give uh, Nate an opportunity to educate us a little bit about the Memory Motel and give us one of his own very own uh, selections. Sure, man. Memory Motel, the reason that song came into being, the, the Stones were recording uh, Black and Blue, and it was uh, Ronnie Wood. Me and George share a favorite story favorite stones guitarist and ronnie wood yep. it was his uh first uh his first uh album cover he, new uh, album out, by the way there. right Nate? oh it's awesome dude yeah hear it's it, excellent man. yeah it's called lucky um and there's my plug ronnie remember yep. me um come on ronnie get you uh, <laughs> <That's> right <laughs> but the stones the stones are the height of their jet set period and they they did they, their their product to take a dive because of you know hanging out with like people like Prince Lee, Princess Lee Radziwill and Andy Warhol, who you mentioned, and Warhol had a place adjacent to um, 
Grey Gardens, where I know you you guys are the Miles Brothers documentary about Grey Gardens. That's where the the um, the Bouvier sisters, Jackie Kennedy, Onassis, and, yeah. and her sister Lee, grew up there on Long Island. And uh, Warhol, they were hanging out with Truman Capote and Warhol and stuff, and they had to they were recording the album. They were looking for a place to stay, so Warhol gave them uh, his place, and uh, they would just walk into town at night. Well night to the stones at probably like five o'clock in the morning but they would go to the memory motel and uh they, they, they would pony up to the bar there um keith and ronnie and uh this songwriting it starts with a you know it, it starts with a with a with a with a riff and then they, they just plug it in and so uh that memory motel just had a certain uh, cadence to it i guess the alliteration of memory motel was was cool to them so they just started riffing on this uh memory motel and, and it became a song and now it's a serious destination it's a mecca for stones fans yeah. and i have been trying every summer to get in george and it's impossible you got to start looking at uh expedia like in uh, november if you want to get in there for a single night <laughs> you know yeah. what, man? one, one day it'll happen go out there in you know september october it's really beautiful time of year to be down by the ocean and all the hipsters and you know if that's still a word that's still thrown around the hipsters and the you know the younger folks that don't really appreciate the uh, they're just going out there to get uh, their rocks off um, Nate, as it were, but you know, you go out there. Stones reference. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a Stones reference. Yeah. Directly. Yeah. Tr track one exile on mainstream, man. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go out there in like October, November, you know, autumn, you know, it's a great time to be out there and the crowds have died down and the locals are there, but you still get, you know, your uh, New York City uh, people that come out there but are really part of the fabric. And that'd be a good time to go. I'll go out there. I'm going to have one for you. Uh, before we go to break, Nate, what uh, give us a dive bar that you would uh, speak very highly of. Oh, and keeping with the theme of the Stones and all, uh, and off-season, as you mentioned, uh, the place called the Beachcomber on Plum Island is awesome, man. You go out there in like the middle of uh, the winter, it's just locals, and there's a Wurlitzer jukebox that has only Rolling Stones 45s on it, and I just discovered it by accident. Like I was telling you earlier, my, my ex and I would just go out driving and looking for these places, and we stumbled into the Beachcomber, and that is the spot, man. What'd you awesome. think when you saw that? It was, I don't know, where's the, where's uh, Ashton Kutcher and the punk crew, man? Like, why, why am I stumbling up on it? World's your jukebox full of Stones 45s right now. It's my birthday. Yeah. So what we're going to yeah. do, guys, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to keep with the theme. Uh, Brandon and Roger, Nate and Pete, we're going to talk about music because music is an important part of dive bars. So uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about music and then we'll just go around the horn one more time with some of our favorite dive bars. We're giving the people opportunity to uh, win some money to keep these bars going. Uh, you know, remember to take care of your bartender. And, uh, you know, as our good friend Eric Levandusky from episode one says, make sure you bring a pen to class. I want you to write these names down, commit them to memory, <laughs> and uh, get yourself a picture and get yourself some money. Let's go. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Roger. Hey, we have a quick favor to ask. We want to get the word out. And the way to help is for you to subscribe to us on either Apple or Spotify. And it would be really huge. If you give us a rating and a review, much love. All good. All right. Uh, welcome back to $5 Buzz. And um, in keeping with our theme, I want to quote a great character from my television history, Al Swearingen. 
as a base of operations, you cannot beat a saloon. And that is not, that couldn't be truer. And uh, it's also inspired, Brandon, by a recent uh, thread you've had going on uh, dive bars where you're, you've kind of solicited for people to post famous dive bars from TV and, and cinema, right? And how's that been going? Yeah, yeah. So normally, I would say uh, a lot of the posts I do um, are coming from people sending me suggestions. This week is is all me. And if I'm if I'm going to be honest with y'all, it's just whatever I've been watching recently and being like, oh, hey, that's a bar I like. Um, so sometimes uh, this is this is my fourth theme week that I've done, um, where uh, I've, I've posted just only a certain topic of bars all, all week. And this week has been uh, bars from television and movies. So a lot of them aren't fictional bars. They're real bars, but they were featured heavily in a movie or they were a real place that went under a different name. And it's, it's been fun. It's been kind of, you know, the, the whole point of the account essentially is uh, the same enjoyment of when you just recognize something and you're just like, Oh shit, I've been there. And yeah. so, you know, seeing, seeing the cantina band or whatever from star Wars and you're like, mm-hmm. Oh hell yeah, that is a dive. Um, and so it's been a fun week of just kind of exploring the fictional instead of the real. Oh dude, I've absolutely enjoyed it. I mean, everything from Moe's and, uh, to, uh, to the star Wars to, um, I guess what the, the always sunny in Philadelphia one you had up there. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, always sunny how i met your mother i did um i did uh the the one episode from what we do in the shadows where they uh the the main guy becomes a bartender um you know just what a lot of it was just what i was watching in the last year because i couldn't go out <laughs> uh, but you know tried to hit all the classics too what would uh, you, you guys say regal regal beagle man that, that's <laughs> oh my god that's a great yeah. company yeah, yeah three's yeah, company dude. yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, the regal that was based on shay j man that was uh yeah. was it really yeah, well and the, for, uh, it, yeah. it, it based on uh shay j like you mentioned but the regal beagle is also a real bar and i want to say cleveland ohio it's a I, maybe it's cincinnati but it's it's is, is it, that is that based on the show is that based on three's company I don't know which came first, uh, but um, it, Three's Company takes place in Santa Monica, and the the Regal Beagle is based on Shay J. The right, right. Based yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming that they just took. I think it's like a bubblegum shrimp situation where they just took the name from the show, <laughs> yeah. but it is like a real dive in Ohio somewhere. One of our buddies worked at uh, Bubba Gump. Uh, Pete was he was he pimping and shrimping? Is that what he used to say? <laughs> <laughs> shrimping and pimping. Kevin Colgan. Raj, what what would you say are some of the like mo- best uh, film bars, featured in bars, or what stand out to you? Well, shit. I mean, I mean, there's the bar in Pulp Fiction where he goes to uh, meet, uh, you know, uh, the Paluka. Paluka. Yeah. 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 The meeting there. That's you know, you know, that's some place in the valley because that's, that's where- definitely a base of operations. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Pete, one that we always went to, or I know I've been in there with you, is called the Old Time t- uh, Bar, right outside Union Square, in New York City. Oh yeah, where they oh film, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The one of the scenes from the State and Grace with Sean Penn, Gary Oldman, and oh uh, that's is right, it, uh, James Woods. I I forgot who uh, State of Grace. Yes, it's not. It's um. Uh, um uh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris, that's who it is. Yeah. And uh they have those very old school porcelain uh urinals that probably are 
almost five feet tall and it's just a very old school historic bar uh i think they said abraham lincoln might have had a drink in there it's uh it's a great place and it's really not too hard to find so if you're in new york city near union square the old town um it's one uh, that you can earn yourself some uh, cash here, right, Pete? I mean, one of the greatest, real quick, one of the absolute best dive bar boozer movies in history is a movie directed by Steve Buscemi called Trees Lounge. That is a masterpiece movie about uh, that sort of what we're talking about here. That movie exemplifies it in spades. Awesome. Uh, I definitely want to see Trees Lounge. I cannot recommend it enough. He wrote it, he directed it, he stars in it. And, you know, he's got a, you know, a little, little drop here of his, uh, of his, you know, personal friends like Mark Boone Jr. And, um, uh, got, uh, Chloe 70 and are, are, you know, it's a lot of little of the new New York stalwarts. Yeah. Now, uh, another film, Wait, there uh, is no other bigger movie when a bar than Casablanca Rick's place. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hey, you and Roger the, you know, are talking a little bit about Barfly. Yeah, That's too obvious. That's kind of hitting out yeah. of the head for me. Okay. And the cornucopia. You know, you know, it's a great. Go ahead, Roger. Cornucopia in that movie is King Eddie. So that's all I got. <laughs> the bar, the bar that comes to mind when you talk about dive bars for me, from a cinema standpoint, is uh, Rocky. The bar that him and uh, Polly drink at, which makes a return in, in Rocky Balboa and Stallone reawakens the franchise at the end. There, yeah. that that bar is gnarly. The broken mirror, like you know, the, the disgruntled bartender, uh, and all the people trying to shake Stallone down and, and Rocky Balboa and he's all famous for a free drink and stuff like that's a the down on their luck Philadelphians and that, that's, that's I feel a, like that's every CD dive bar I feel like every other bar on on pictures of dives is from Philadelphia oh yeah <laughs> it's a hard that's a hard luck town man that's the place for it you get a lot of man. Philly submissions mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. you know I'm gonna do nothing but pander to my Philly fans here and say it's probably one of the best drinking cities I've ever been to it, it, <laughs> You can't, you cannot spin a dead cat without hitting four perfect dives. <laughs> Fantastic city, though. I will say, as a as a DC home homer, uh, you know, every every founding father started in Philadelphia was like, man, fuck this place. You guys want to go live in a fucking swamp instead? <laughs> Brandon, when you go out to some of your favorite dives, uh, and you have the opportunity to select some music. Uh, do you have any favorite tunes that you like to play? Any standards or anything particular? Oh, I mean, the, most jukebox I go to haven't been updated in years, so I'll 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 dip into the classic rock stuff. Play play a little like Boston or some some Clapton or you know all that yeah. stuff. Uh, I got I recently through pictures of dives got to hang out with uh, Brendan Kelly, who's the lead singer of the Falcon and the Lawrence Arms. And he was showing me around bars in uh, Chicago from uh, from his punk days in the uh, you know early 2000s. And so I got to start putting him on my rotation a little bit more now that he's a drinking buddy of mine. Um, but yeah, you know, whatever, whatever the jukebox is playing or some punk or anything like that. I, I want something kind of wailing on guitar and I want the lyrics to be about drinking in a dive. <laughs> That's great. Now, uh, just a quick aside before Roger, we get back into some music selections. Brandon, have you what the response is? Have you been kind of surprised of some of the um, the positive energy you're getting? It must be great in this day and age where you know there's a lot of negativity out there. It seems, but it seems your experience you're giving 
a really cool uh, vibe out to the universe, but it seems like you're getting some pretty cool reciprocation of that too, right? Um, yeah, you know, it, it, moving to a new city in the middle of the pandemic was obviously like awful, um, but it's been nice as this thing has taken on just a couple random Chicagoans and stuff. I've been able to meet some new people and go, go drinking with them. And um, it, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Just people are really wanting me to like show me around town and show me a good time. And that's kind of what I'm all about. So it's been great. Yeah. That's awesome. Raj back on music. What do you got? What's your, you got, you got four uh, quarters. Our man over there, Brandon was talking about, you know, punk or something with a twang to I mean, with a, with a heavy guitar to it. I mean, going back to the Mars bar, I used to always say there was no bar that had a better fucking jukebox on the planet, but you know, it being right around the corner from CBGB's literally right around the corner from CBGB's on first and second, mm-hmm. um, it, it had a jukebox that sort of reflected that and beyond, you know, I mean, a heavy rotation song like, uh, 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 what's the song uh, from TSOL? Code Blue, you know about you know having sex with dead people, the necrophiliac song, punk song. But you know it's all it's all the Orange County stuff, all the New York stuff, all the you know. And it wasn't like Stewart's hardcore bullshit. It's like the uh, the real you know uh, more <laughs> poet rock. Understood. Me. I'm just joking. But it had it had a great jukebox. I mean, you would be a lot of like a lot of the fall. A lot of, um, you know, uh, just a lot of Lou Reed and that kind of stuff. Right. Nate, give us one stone selection. when If, if you had, you could only play one in uh, the beat. It was at the Beachcomber. What tune would you play from the Stones catalog? Uh, probably uh, Can You Hear Me Knocking. Yeah. From uh, yes, oh hell yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hell gonna go yeah. like knocking. But uh, you keep pigeonholing me, George. I have I have a a jukebox <laughs> staple. <laughs> you can't. Have, there's more to there's there's more to my musical taste than the Rolling Stones, although they are the greatest rock and roll band in the world. <laughs> that my favorite song to play in any bar, whether it be a dive or one of those douchebag joints my wife drives me to, um, is uh Straight to Hell by the Clash, man. Oh yeah, because that's a, oh I love fuck the Clash. Yeah. And I love the look on people's faces when they realize when Strummer's <laughs> intro vocal comes in that they're not hearing that fucking MIA paper plane song. So everyone's like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, what the fuck is this? I'm like, this is music, asshole. This is what this is. I would so argue both songs are great, though. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I like the MIA it's, song. but It's I, cool. The fact, the fact that they took a song from the clash to open up her song very cool is very yeah. cool. Well, it's, it's not yeah. just that, man. It, it's, it's, it's full of clash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Homages. It but, was uh, also it, it, the worst album by The Clash, but that's the best song on that record. Yeah. yeah it's, I don't uh, like Combat yeah. Rock is the least of my favorite uh, Clash albums. My favorite, of course, is Sandinista. Sandinista, same, man. Same, same. Yeah. Pete, so, what do you got? I got, I have, I'll, I'll just say the titles real quick. There's three standard go-tos that'll set me off uh, usually. And one of them comes from an experience that you and I had together in New Orleans during Mardi Gras back in 1999. We found a dive bar off of French Quarter and you put in House of the Rising Sun because we were there. You want to play it by the animals. And that's always a good one to get you going. But one that I always love is um, uh, Werewolves of London, Warren Zevon. That's guaranteed to be on a a jukebox usually. Yeah. If it's not, then Sultans of Swing by the Dire Straits. 
is, yeah. is, is the other one that will that will get me get my get me started. I mean, two out of three ain't bad, there, Pete. That's great. <laughs> you know this 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 might this might uh, piss you all old music heads off here, but much like the MIA song with the Clash, I don't hate it when the Werewolves of London intro comes in and it turns out it's that Kid Rock song instead. You know, <laughs> that's a thing. Oh God. Yeah. Oh no. Um, I'll give you, I'll Warren. Give you guys a Warren rolled over in his grave. <laughs> oh no. Hope the it's family hope the fam- I hope I hope Crystal's Ebon seeing some money for that. I don't even want to look in I don't even want to look into that. Oh no. I love I, <laughs> Brandon, I you will I not like investigate. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I will not investigate either. I will I'll I give know you guys- exactly what he's talking about, so there. <laughs> yeah, you do. I'll get I have three. Um there's this one bar I really like in Manhattan, and this qualifies for the contest. It's called PJ Clark's. It's in Midtown. There's a great bartender there, uh, Jerry. He's an Irishman, right from Ireland. He leave, He's only not there one week out of the year where he goes back home. He's got one of the, the toughest handshakes you'll ever feel. You, you feel like less of a man when you shake his hand, but he's the fucking best bartender. St- stone cutter. Yeah, and um, for some reason – when there's this old song called knock three times and it's a 70s yeah. song it's a pop song and when it comes I, on him and all the guys that work there fucking pound the table it's really <laughs> fucking yeah. but, uh, i can see that being a thing people are yeah people are um people get pretty rocked out in that place in the middle of the day you got all kinds of people in there from like wall street types the tourists to just like the regular booze hounds that he gives them their own shaker full of something and they just <laughs> they get their standard but uh nate there's a u2 song cut off of um the joshua tree red hill mining yeah. town yeah, i like yeah. to play off that they had the kinks living on a thin line oh beautiful and which is a great fucking jam and then you know the i gotta go with the fun, the closing track off appetite for destruction rocket oh yeah Steven Adler nice. get, uh, taking us in. Uh, George, that Kings tune is Adler's, it Adler's starts girlfriend. off. So I love that song. It's so yeah. fucking. That baseline is yeah. fucking great. It is a great tune, and you know what? That I think we've all been inspired. Uh, in addition to the contest, we're going to do something special for uh, the people. We're going to do a dive bar um, playlist. So guys, we'll we'll get together offline. We'll we'll get we'll. We'll do a greatest hits package. Hey, nice. uh, Nate, we'll do a hot rocks for those. Uh, <laughs> a hot rocks. Uh, I Man, mean, I, a, a dive bar Spotify playlist is probably the best thing you could possibly do. Well, I don't, if I, I may, if wait, wait, I'm gonna go we gotta put on the Warren Zevon inspired song by Kid Rock. No, <laughs> well, that's gonna if, happen. If, if, if I may, George, there's one more I got. I, I, I know you guys. I'm, I'm gonna take an extra. This was on Loretta's Seaberg uh, Selectomatic. This I'd never heard this song before, and I was just curious when I saw it. all all of her stuff. She maintained herself, so it was all like she would hand letter the, the the song titles for the forty fives. There's a song called "Barroom Buddies" by Clint Eastwood and Merle Haggard. Yeah, that is that's a, exactly that, that's a great song, man. That's that's a, that's a yeah, dude. Song, I, Merle, As, I don't mean to I don't mean to steal your thunder, but uh, there's a Spotify playlist under "Picture of Dives" called Two Drinks Deep," and it's nice. solicited from all the all the pictures of dies followers it's got about 100 songs on it and oh, it, it is better. well yeah dude we'll we'll definitely put that one out yeah, yeah. yeah. 
we'll promote the hell out of that and yeah. then we'll put our own out there and yeah we'll, we'll yeah. do them both man mine so has to I, start with the song i can't listen to anymore because i watched my dad and his best friend after my dad's divorce and pretty much when i was 12 lived, lived in a dive bar called papa joe's in colorado springs colorado for the short period of time i lived there and there was one time they loaded up the jukebox with every quarter they had. In fact, they went and got $10 worth of quarters to put it in the damn jukebox so they can listen to Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cow. Oh, goodness. That's, that's, <laughs> that is, oh, my God. Drunkenly write out the lyrics back then, you know, to every, and they just couldn't get the lyrics exactly. So what's a, what's a fair the CIA, market? The, what's CIA, a, the CIA used that for interrogation, man. Man, what? Do, do we have time for a quick aside on a country bar story I got for you? Yes. Yeah. Dude. All right. So, so, you know, I'm a Virginia boy through and through. And uh, me and my buddy used to go to this bar uh, back in our early 20s on Wednesdays because there's country music night. And uh, I, I got there a little early and the bar is completely empty. So I take a take a seat at the corner and this old guy comes in empty bar decides to sit in the stool right next to mine and i'm just like all right hey man how's it going he's like oh not good you know my my wife left me hey hate to to hear that that sucks hey can we get a beer for this guy on my tab and then the beer comes he takes a long drag and then goes yeah 1986 (laughs) <laughs> it's 2015 when this is happening. A veteran. Yeah. Like, you yeah, son of a bitch. That, that, it was that, a mark that, from day one. His friends come in later, pull me aside, and they're like, hey, did that guy get a free beer off of you? Because he said his wife left you. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, they've been doing that for 30 years. <laughs> that's great. You stop loving her today, man. That's, yeah. That's great, man. <laughs> well, guys. Uh, what I'd like to do is give the people one uh, more opportunity here. We're going to go around the horn with uh, another, you know, everyone's uh, Hall of Fame dive bar uh, submission. I'll start this time. We'll keep it in L.A. Uh, famous venue uh, called the Rainbow uh, was a very nice. famous uh, music uh, place, a gathering spot for famous rock stars. Uh, I kind of learned about it from uh, the late mid late eighties guns and roses, uh, Motley Crue uh, hangout, you know, definitely worthy, a worthy choice. Every time I'm in Los Angeles, I stop in there. You can still smoke there, which I appreciate, even though I don't appreciate <laughs> being in places where you're allowed to smoke, but I still appreciate the outlaw vibe to that. And uh, it's just a great fucking place. They got a statue of Lemmy out front uh, because he was a regular there. I think he moved uh, his home to be as close in walking. Distance. Yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, they had a $900 rent controlled apartment right up the street there. Yeah, and uh, there's a there's a couple of cool pictures in there. I think that was a Rat Pack hangout too, Nate, wasn't it? But they have yeah, uh, yeah, that was all picture all, of all like... uh, Ozzy Osbourne grabbing Tommy Lee's balls. It's like <laughs> a fucking oversized picture of it, and it's uh, I guess that just is appropriate to a place like that that had all the rock and roll. Uh, if Nate was if Nate was meeting me in Hollywood, we were meeting there. If I was meeting him in Santa Monica, it was Shay J. Believe that yeah. for years. Yeah. That's how we. It was and, and, and if we and if we lost each other over the weekend, those were the two. That, <laughs> yep, that yeah, was the fact we found in, each other on P- Sunday. Pete will be <laughs> sipping a bloody in uh, the rainbow. There he is. What's up? <laughs> Sig in hands. Pete, what else you got for the? Could be any city where 
So uh, a dive bar definitely worth mentioning, and I don't know if it's made it to your uh, page yet, but the Raven, not your Raven, but in Sacramento is an awesome bar, and it makes me want to shout out to uh, my friend Jed. He, he brought me there. We've had some nights up in that town. Wonderful, wonderful, one of the epic dive bars, honestly, the best. The Raven in Sacramento. All right, Raj, what do you got? Well, I'm going to go another bar that's uh, towards the west side on Pico. It's called the Daily Pint, and it's uh, one of the finer bars. Uh, my friend Pat Russo and I, it's a particular favorite of ours for him because it has more single malts than any other bar probably in all of Los Angeles. Uh, it's pretty impressive. That lines sort of the top of the bar, goes around like a, you know, like a crown. And, you know, it's it's a, a great little little bar, good music shoot pool get hammered and pool uh, table is a staple of a dive bar that we haven't mentioned not no. always because there's some great play i mean the mars bar where you wouldn't be able to fit you a wouldn't bar. fit one but yeah it's, it's always nice when it's there yeah you know? there's, there's <laughs> comes a, comes it becomes place. a weapon in, in some joints <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah, probably, 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 probably not a good thing to have in the mars bar <laughs> yeah, that's right because yeah, somebody might just get up there and take a shit on it in the mars bar but, you know, <laughs> Hey, Nate, we've been we've been talking a, a little bit about Southern California. Give the people in the other uh, parts of this great country, pick a city, pick a town. A dive well, I might bar be taking a little I might be taking a little liberty with dive bar, George. But I don't know how three SUNY Potsdam students can meet on a podcast and not my former employer, Steve Bond. Backstreet's nightclub, man. Yeah, like it, it checks all the boxes. It's a shithole. It stinks. It, it's just a uh, cheap beers. Progressions, man. Wednesday, Roach had, he he missed a million classes, but he was always in line on time at eight o'clock on Wednesday when beers were a dime. Like, I, I'm a gonna dime. have to go with uh, yeah. I, I worked there. I, I, I was hired and fired more times than Billy Martin by by Steve Bond, <laughs> the Steinbrenner, to my Billy Martin. But uh, I, Backstreet's nightclub will always have a special place in my heart. It's and we, and we worked in the SUNY reference. Yeah, yeah we did it. We <laughs> yeah. weren't even trying, Roger. We weren't even trying. The great thing about Backstreet's is like if you saw it during the day, you're like, oh, what the fuck? Who would ever go in this place yet? Then you know, the sun the goes down. Would, yeah, the ladies yeah. would get dressed up. The fellas would uh, do the best they could, swing for the fences. Put the Jakar Noir on. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> Brandon, take us home. Give the people um, something um, that they can uh, maybe take a picture of if they're lucky enough. All right. So I got I got two more. I gave a Chicago and a D.C. one. So I'm going to give an Oakland one, The Avenue. It uh, it started off as a regular bar and every Halloween they took down less and less decorations. And now it's a Halloween themed dive. They got John Carpenter playing on two TVs every single night. It's fantastic. Uh, it's where I met my current girlfriend. Uh, so obviously love nice. that. Place. Uh, and then, then, uh, uh, getting out into the plains. If you're ever in Des Moines, uh, Iowa, head over to Kelly's, um, bars. Great. The beers are cheap. The bartenders will talk your ear off and the onion rings are to die for. Excellent. Um, Roger. Did you, ha did you know that bar in Oakland at all? I did. Shut up. Yes. I kept bud bud budding in there. I'm sorry about that, Brandon, because no, no, no worries at all. Sorry. <laughs> that bar's fucking cool, man. <laughs> it is. I, I've heard about that too, man. Uh, so uh, just as we head out, you know, everybody, hopefully that's listening to this is heading out to a dive bar. 
Uh, I'm going to give you the details one last time. Then Brandon's going to give a speak a little bit too. Um, follow pictures of dives on Instagram, follow $5 buzz on Instagram, subscribe to our show. So you can hear this and other guests that we got coming up, but uh, you know, submit a picture to Brandon and he's going to give you a little uh, commentary about uh, how to achieve that $20 gift card that you can put right into your bartender's uh, breast pocket just for keeping the ice cubes cold. <laughs> Baller. You right. Earn your, earn, your, earn your stool at the bar with that 20 bucks. Oh, hell yes. Best so, move. So when, when you, when you enter this competition, you, you're subscribed to both of us on Instagram. Uh, when you send me an email at pictures of dives at gmail.com with your bar suggestion, just let me know that it's for the competition. So I know to tag them in it and uh, send it on forward to them. So you can get that gift card. Yeah. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed this show. I hope that uh, everyone has an opportunity to get out to a dive bar soon. Uh, I can't wait to submit uh, those cards to you guys. And Brandon, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. And uh, I really appreciate the page. Everybody, please follow Picture of Dives. I'm going to follow you on Twitter. I didn't know you were on Twitter, but I'm definitely going to do that. And, uh, you know, um, let's do this again, man. This is awesome. I mean, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This rules. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nate, Roger, anything else, guys? I'm getting done with this and going out drinking yeah. hey pete brandon, great take... to meet you buddy great. yeah i'll take, take us out brandon yeah okay Nate is Bola. the artist the buzzard and uh you know we really appreciate uh everything all the artwork that he's been doing this is going to be our 20th episode i believe guys it is yeah, actually right. yeah so uh brandon, yeah uh, brandon, you if you give yourself a, do yourself a favor go check out the art on instagram that nate's done for all the every episode it's fucking awesome yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll put you in a, in, in, a, in a fine light. I won't put you in a Han Solo uniform <laughs> shooting geese with a laser. Stay away from the geese. Pete, take us home here. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This has been a real fun uh, conversation. Uh, Nate, Brandon, thank you guys very much. Uh, anybody, please reach out to us. Participate in the contest. And uh, you can email us at uh, $5buzz at gmail.com. That's $5buzz at gmail.com. F-I-V-E-D-O-L-L-A-R-B-U. Z Z at gmail.com. Uh, have a great day. Uh, I hope you hope this is the afternoon. I hope it's somewhere like five o'clock in a busy city and you're sitting in a dive bar with about three other people escaping the madness and having a uh, maybe a shot of Jameson and uh, in, a, in a local beer and enjoy enjoying some conversation. Have a great and day, guys. Thank you. Hit that citrus on the way out. Thank you. <laughs> Tip your bartenders.